0: Hey, good morning, and welcome to Church Online. As Pastor Anthony always says, you made our day when you logged on. I want to remind you that you can go on the Uversion Bible app, and there under Live Events you'll find North Park Church, and you can select that and then get all the notes and uh, fill in the blanks or any kind of helpful scriptures or passages that we mentioned today, and also some other resources to help you dive deeper into the text. Well, we are starting a brand new series today called uncomfortable and our text today is going to be first john chapter 2 uh, verses 12 through 14. so go ahead grab your bible uh your tablet and uh, let's go ahead and let's start this series together uncomfortable do you remember going to uh, blockbuster to rent a video or maybe it was movie gallery or somewhere else but just that experience I realized the other day that my kids have never and most likely never will experience what that was like, but that was a big deal in our house. And so typically it was a Friday night when we would do that and we would go to... Blockbuster, and it would take, it seemed like at least hours, because we'd start at the beginning and we'd go through and there would just be these walls of VHS tapes. and 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 there was an excitement about it, but there was also a frustration. Uh, if a new movie came out, um, you'd have to get there early because sometimes if it wasn't behind the the the, the cassette there or the VHS that meant they didn't have it. And so nothing was worse than getting there for the movie that you wanted, only to find out somebody else So rented it. Also, you would you you'd just kind of browse through, you'd have to start at the beginning, you'd go through everything, uh, then you'd finally make your selection. Now, once you made your selection, sometimes when you got home and you put the VHS in, the person that had it before you did not rewind. In fact, it would even say, be kind, rewind. And, and sometimes the people at Blockbuster would forget to do it. And so you'd put the VHS tape in and it would be in the middle of the movie, most of the time in the most important part of the movie and ruin the whole experience. But sometimes it would be right and you'd put the movie in and about 30 minutes in you realize, I don't like this movie. But guess what? It's the only movie you have. And so you have to finish it at this point. And you realize that you'll take another shot at it next Friday. Now, today, it's a completely different experience, right? Today, it's all about speed uh, and it's all about unlimited choices. And that's why you can stream from Netflix or Amazon or Apple. There's all these different places where you can pick movies. In fact, there's so many choices that up until recently, some of my kids uh, believed that you could just go on to Netflix and just tell it whatever you want to see a movie about. So if you wanted to see a movie about a snowman who surfs um, and fights dolphins, uh, you just, just kind of just type that into Netflix and they'll create some type of movie that fits that description, uh, which is obviously not true, but it just kind of shows how they believed that their choices, whatever they wanted, uh, could be presented to them in, in really fast speed. Um, you could just have it if you wanted it and so we'll sit down now and just kind of go through a movie and there's hundreds of movies if not thousands of movies and if you start it you don't like it you just go to the next one and the next one and the next one and eventually this this system begins to kind of think for itself and and begins to suggest movies for you to the point that you don't even really have to look now it just says based on what you watched here's something else you might like It's all about convenience, it's all about speed, and it's all about things being easy. Well, in our series today, we're gonna talk about kind of how the church in many ways is the opposite sometimes when it comes to growth at least because speed isn't always there. Growth within the church and with us spiritually can sometimes take a really long time Um, And it's not always based on our choices, right? Uh, Sometimes we look at church and and because of things like social media, because of Netflix, we think that it's all about our preferences and it's what I want, when I want, and how I want. But the body of Christ was not built to function that way. In fact, we're going to look in 1 John and we're going to begin to see that John, who's about 88 or somewhere between 88 and 93 years old, is writing to several churches. This is a letter that was meant to be passed on to several different churches. Uh, And at this point in his life, he has a lot of clarity. He's walked literally with Jesus. He's outlived uh, many of Jesus's followers and he was actually boiled alive at one point and survived. Um, He'd written the gospel of John. He at one point writes revelation, but these letters, first, second, and third John are are kind of like a, a wise grandfather maybe like pulling up the chair and just kind of giving some advice. And it's, and it's, it's great clarity because he's near the end. He's really experienced a lot. Uh, During this time, for context, Domitian was emperor of Rome, and because of some political pressure from some of his advisors, uh, he was on a mission to get rid of Christianity. Uh, This this new cult that they called it, they believed, was destructive for Rome because Christians only believed in one God instead of several. Uh, They didn't have a temple. They were really viewed as atheists and that it was dangerous for the Roman Empire. They wanted everyone to worship the same gods, and these Christians would continue meet in secret, serve, love, and and live out this Christian life. And it was infuriating. And so Domitian was on a mission to eradicate all of Christianity. So persecution was high. And this wise old man, John, sits down and begins to write this letter to the church. And I want you to see there's three groups that he talks to in this letter. He talks to fathers, young men, and children. Now, let me just say, these words uh, are not just for men. Uh, he is he's using this to kind of illustrate three different levels of maturity in the Christian faith. So let's begin in verse 12. It says, I am writing to you little children. So that's the first group, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. He identifies these three levels of maturity within the church and and they're at a time when it's not very comfortable to be a christian right there's persecution going on many of these people probably lost their jobs uh, because of their faith in fact the way things were kind of set up then um, many places of of work when you were going to get your check you had to first um, you had to first make a sacrifice to a roman idol before you could actually get your paycheck And and Christians were refusing to do that. And so many of them were going without uh, a paycheck or going without a way to provide for their family. And so there was so much pressure on these Christians. It was a very uncomfortable season. It was very different than what we talked about with Netflix, right? It wasn't about speed. It wasn't about um, unlimited choices. In fact, growth in the Christian faith was often very slow, sometimes frustrating, and a lot of times, very uncomfortable. And John knows that, and he writes to these three groups. Now, children, we're going to say, represents very new Christians. He's, he's talking about new Christians. At our home, we have a new family member. We have a little girl who's just about three months old. Um, so we have a family of four, and Pastor Anthony likes to say 14, but there's there's only a with four kids. And it's great because their ages are three 10, six, and then three months. And everybody helps, everybody pitches in, and everybody's excited about this newest addition. Now, she doesn't do anything to help. In fact, she actually needs a lot of help, but everything she does is exciting, right? Anytime she moves, any kind of noise she makes, she sounds kind of like a baby dinosaur, but anything she does is exciting. If she grabs your finger, if she smiles at you, Everything is excited and everything is celebrated. In fact, when anybody calls from our family, the first thing they wanna know is, how's Brooke, send me a picture, send me a video. We celebrate everything. And it's a lot like being a new Christian. When you're a new Christian, there's this sense of excitement. Everything you do is, is for the first time. And so there's just this zeal, there's this passion with Brooke, our little girl, we've noticed that she's at a stage where she's wanting to learn to roll over. And so she's at this point where she, she gets halfway and she gets stuck. And then sometimes her face kind of just gets planted on the ground and we're all surrounded and we're cheering her on and, we, and we've got like three phones out. And we're filming this to, to cheer her on, to see and celebrate her rolling over but all she thinks is that we're a bunch of monsters because we're not helping her. Her face is smooshed to the ground. She's trying to quite and just can't get it. And so for the first time in her life, it's not exciting. For the first time in her life, it's really frustrating. And that growth for her, that development, that next step for her really makes her upset. It usually ends with her in tears, very frustrating. I say that to say that's kind of like what being a new Christian's like, right? Everything's new, everything's exciting, but eventually we face a struggle. Eventually something happens. And here's what happens a lot of times with new Christians. New Christians get to a point and say, you know, should it really be like this? I thought it would be easier. Um, I wonder if anything really happened when I said that prayer. I wonder if I really meant it. I wonder if any of this is even real. Many times, new Christians start off with great zeal and excitement, and then once they face something really difficult, they begin to question. And John knows that. John knows that kind of category one in the church are new Christians who are excited, but eventually will face a difficult situation and begin to wonder, did something really happen or not? A lot of excitement but not a lot of fruit. The second group, he says young men, and he's kind of describing those teenage years in the faith, and so you're not a child anymore, but you're kind of in this awkward middle stage. And, and here's what happens. In that stage of the Christian faith, there's not as much excitement. In fact, all those feelings aren't really there. One writer described it this way. We kind of find ourselves in this situation where we pray and it just kind of feels dry. We go to worship, and it feels like no one's there. There's this sense of pressure. There's this sense of what needs to happen next, and it's not happening, and I just feel like I can't get to where I used to be. Like when I was a new Christian, it was exciting, but now everything feels dry, and God feels so distant, and here's what we do. Very often, God will give you a lot of energy and great feelings when you're a new Christian to draw you near. But as you mature in your faith, sometimes he will pull back those feelings in order to get you to see that really what you loved and what you began with was your love for those feelings and those emotions. You were really trusting your feelings more than you were trusting him. And so he'll allow us to go through seasons of growth where we really don't feel as much as we used to. The excitement is not quite there. And we begin to think think things like this. Why does he seem so far away? Now, why, why, it, why isn't he close to me? Why doesn't it feel like my prayers are being answered? And, the, and really what's happening is he's wanting to draw us close to him. He wants us to truly trust him and not those new, exciting feelings. Because when you're trusting in your experience, you're trusting in your feelings, when those dry up, well, here's what he's saying. You have to obey me even when it looks like it's not very practical, all right? So new Christians, lots of excitement, but when they face difficulty, they begin to wonder, is this real or not? Kind of the, the, the teenage years in our maturity as Christians, there is this point to where we get where we want to grow, uh, but we just feel like he's not there and, and things feel dry. Think about lifting weights. Um, when someone lifts weights, there has to be enough pressure and discomfort. When you're lifting the weight, it actually makes you feel weaker to make you stronger. When you're lifting weights to lift enough, you actually should feel tired, exhausted, and weak. But what's happening is you're actually growing stronger. And God will put you through those times. And what's he doing? He's trying to make you grow. Uh, This season would kind of be described as kind of a winter season in your faith. And maybe you find yourself there. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you might be in this particular season. And here's what you need to know. Trees do grow in the winter. When it comes to trees, they're not blossoming in the winter, but what they're doing is they're putting their roots down deep and they're growing stronger. They're growing deeper. And it's a very important season. See, there's seasons to our relationship with God. And the season of spring is when we're a new Christian. And during that time, a tree during the spring, it blossoms, but there's not actually a lot of fruit. Think about that. New Christians, lots of excitement, but really not a lot of fruit. Then there's the winter season of our faith. And this is a season where there's, there's, no really, there's no blossoms. We don't really see the fruit of this relationship, but there's a lot of growth because of the tough times. And then John finally gets to the, the, the fathers, or and again, that could be fathers, mothers. It could be male and female. It's just kind of that level of Christianity, this maturity. And, and what do those people, what makes them different? What makes a mature Christian is they're able to recognize the season they're in, that sometimes they're in the season that feels like spring, that feels like that new faith where there's so much blossoming and there's so much happening and there's so much excitement and passion and worship. And and when we go to church, we just feel this, this excitement. Then they also recognize there's seasons of winter where it feels like God's distant, but he's actually drawing us closer and we're growing. We're putting our roots down deep. And a mature Christian is able to understand there's a spring season in my walk. There's a summer season where there's both, there, there's actually fruit. And we see, wow, I've really grown in this particular area. And John, this wise old man is writing to the church and he's saying that the church should be a mixture of new Christians and maturing Christians and mature Christians. And that something very sacred and important happens when we come together and worship. Now, worship matters in this because for new Christians, they'll be tempted to get their their eyes on their self and say, how am I doing? Am I growing fast enough? And they're constantly looking at themselves. And what we have to do is get new Christians to get their eyes off themselves and get their eyes on Jesus because when you're constantly looking at how you're doing, one of two things are going to happen. You're going to either become extremely prideful. Or you're going to become extremely discouraged because you're not doing as well as what you thought. Both leave you and the people around you miserable. And so what happens is in worship, when we begin to think about the greatness of God and we see other Christians gathered proclaiming the greatness of God, what happens is we get our eyes off of ourselves and we get our eyes on Jesus that second group that that doesn't feel much emotion, when we're gathered together in corporate worship, when they see other people passionately pursuing God, it's an opportunity to say, okay, God, I know what that feels like, but right now I'm in a season where I do not feel you. And in those moments during worship, that's why we open the altars because we need other Christians who maybe are in a different season right now to come alongside and pray and worship and point us back to Jesus. And that third group, those mature Christians in worship are there to remind us, hey, these are seasons, but Jesus is faithful. And there's something very special that happens. And that's why we don't just stay home on our own. We come together with different people from different backgrounds, different walks of life who are in different seasons in their faith. And there's something very special that happens in that moment. You know, I've used this illustration before about worship um, and I got it from Tim Keller and I absolutely love it. And he says, imagine if you discovered um, that some jewelry that your grandmother had given you and you had just kind of put away in a drawer was actually incredibly valuable. In fact, it was crafted by this craftsman who's no longer... Uh, alive. And so the value has just skyrocketed. And imagine your friend is, is a jeweler and, and they, they take it out and they say, you know, you've been keeping this in the drawer with the batteries and a, and a screwdriver and some pencils and, and just kind of that junk drawer. But, but do you realize how much this is worth? And here's what that jeweler will begin to do. He'll begin to describe the details and, and begin to show you, hey, look at this part, and, and here's why this craftsmanship is, is so unique. And do you know that you can really actually only go to one place in the entire world to get this thing cleaned and taken care of? And here's what they're actually doing. They're pointing out some things, and you begin to see this thing in a way that you'd never seen before. And you begin to think of how your life will be completely different because this particular piece of, of jewelry is actually worth millions of dollars. And once you begin to realize its worth, it actually begins to affect your behavior because now you take it and it's not kind of thrown in a drawer, but it's kind of placed in this really prominent place. Or maybe you put it in a safe and what do you do? You take care of it because you realize its value. And not only that, you begin to invest because they say, hey, it's worth 5 million. But if you would spend $20,000, it could be worth 10 million. If you travel to Switzerland, let them kind of go through this process, its worth would grow even more. And, and, and for $10 million, you would spend the 20,000. You would invest like never before because you understand its worth. And that's what worship is. That's why corporate worship, when we come together by proclaiming and singing with the body of Christ, here's what you're being shown, that Jesus, who, who's been in your midst, you, you just kind of didn't realize his worth and value. He's kind of just been in this junk drawer in your life amongst all the other stuff. And in worship, what we do is we sing about the greatness of God as we get our eyes off of ourselves and we begin to see there is something in our midst that has great worth. And he begins to change our behavior because we value him. We begin to think things that were not once possible are now possible. And what happens? You begin to invest in the kingdom because you see how much more worth Jesus is than everything else. That is being led in worship. And new Christians and maturing Christians and mature Christians, we all need this. And so matter, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how what difficult season we find ourselves in, there is something so special and sacred when we gather together to worship. Now, we started off kind of talking about this VHS tapes idea and how we're addicted now to this idea of unlimited choices and speed. But really, for Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, his divine nature has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that growth is possible and that growth is gradual. Now here's why growth is possible. Not because you and I can muster up enough strength, but it's only because his divine nature, his power is inside of you. So for you to say, I can't grow, is actually a pretty arrogant statement because here's the thing, your growth is not based off your ability and your willpower, but it's actually, it's not humble. It's actually arrogance because what you're saying is the power that resurrected Jesus from the grave isn't enough to help you grow. Now you would never say that out loud, but when you say I'm too messed up or I'm too dirty or I'm too broken to grow, you're actually saying that. And so here's what we need to say that power that resurrected Jesus from the grave is in me, helping me to grow into the image of Christ. But it's gradual, it's slow. It's not like streaming videos on Netflix. It's, it's, it's the difference between kind of a manufactured home and a castle. All right. There are some beautiful manufactured homes and they bring them together and everything's pre-built and they can they can put them together. They can they can drive them to a location and put them together rather quickly. And you can have a, a really nice place. But a castle can sometimes historically take hundreds of years. Both are nice, but there's a big difference between a prefab home and a castle. And what we see is what God is building in you and I is not prefab. It's not kind of a one size fits all, but it's, it's a castle. And in week two of this series, uncomfortable, we're going to look at how community and life groups are so important because scripture actually uses this illustration that we are living stones being put together to be built into something beautiful and our uniqueness and our differences are a part of that process. But this week, I hope you will lean into kind of how uncomfortable it can be to gather for corporate worship. It takes a lot to get your family dressed and get everybody together and try to get there on time. And you, you probably argue with one another. Um, a, a secret to that is just become a pastor and go to church early by yourself. But if you can't do that, you just, you ride to church, right? You get there and, and you're just trying to barely make it in and, and, and you're flustered and, and it's easy to just kind of go through the motions of worship. But I wanna encourage you, as you gather or as you join us in person, to realize that in those processes, in that room, there are new Christians and maturing Christians and mature Christians. And maybe you just need to get your eyes off of yourself and how you're doing and get them on Jesus. Maybe you need to say, you know what, it's been so long since I really felt his presence. Hey, would you pray with me? Or maybe you're that mature Christian who would say, you know what, I know that there's seasons and I'm gonna find myself in one of those seasons, but who can I pray for? Who can I encourage and worship? is getting our eyes off of ourselves and our effort and on Jesus. Let me pray with you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that um, growth in the body of Christ is not instant. Many times it's slow. Sometimes it's very painful. Sometimes there's seasons of great joy, but sometimes there's seasons of winter where we don't see any fruit, but Lord, our roots are growing deep. I pray that you would help us to recognize the season we're in, and not forsake meeting together to worship corporately so we can get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes on Jesus. Lord, I thank you. And I pray that everyone would have an opportunity to confess you as Lord. If anyone is watching today that has not made you Lord of their life, I pray that they would confess their need for you and their trust in you, in your perfect work. You live the life they should have lived and you died the death that they should have died. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather online, but also, Lord, the importance of meeting in person, worshiping together. It's in your name we pray, amen. God bless you and have a great week. Thank you so much for joining us online this morning. I wanna remind you you can always join us at Riverbend Middle School on Sundays in person at 10 a.m please be sure to stop by our website and there you can fill out an online connection card. You can submit a prayer request. Also, you can sign up for events. One of those is our men's breakfast that is coming up this next saturday Uh, you can find out more information about that the location and and how you can sign up also when our next youth events are as well as events for children and adults and new small groups that are coming in the fall so please stop by our website and there you'll find more information thank you again for joining us for church online